Happy New Year again. Um, I'm not even going to ask about that whole resolution thing. Let's pretend that doesn't exist. Just forget it. Um, you know, before the Christmas, we were talking about, you know, we did sort of the Christmas stuff. Uh, prior to that, we'd been talking about prayer for, for a few weeks, not a long time, three or four weeks, I think. And I, I was going to come back to that series I, I, I realized it, it wouldn't make sense to come back to it now. There's too much time in between. Um, but I, I do, you know, I was thinking, New Year, what do you do? What do you talk about, you know? Uh, but I thought, well, hey, let's, let's talk about prayer uh, again tonight. Good way to start the year off. Um, yeah, thank you, Paul. I, I knew you'd like that. Uh, you, you know, it is. It's a good, if you're going to make a resolution, let's forget losing weight. It's not going to happen. Uh, but but maybe, you know, your prayer. Can can we can we be a become a people of prayer or make make some sort of a, a you know a commitment to God to deepen or increase our prayer life and and I, and I you guys I I think most of you know me well enough I I don't mean that in any kind of legalistic or religious way at all. Just simply the fact that prayer, you know, if you remember when we were talking about it, it's just, it's connection with God. It's talking to God. It's communicating with God. That's good. That's a good thing. And it doesn't have to be formal or rigid or legal at all. It can be really free and it can be really fun and it can happen in a ton of different ways. And, and so let's just think about that and maybe say, hey, Lord, start a new year off. We want to we pray more. We, we want to pray better. We want to pray deeper. However it works for you, whatever, you know. I was thinking about it uh, today. Prayer is one of those things that, like so many things in life, y- y- it's it's never fully accomplished. You know what I mean? You're you're never there, so to speak. You never get it nailed. You never never get it down. Where I've got this thing figured. I've got this thing done. I'm I'm. Uh, you know what I mean? We we're always learning, always growing in our prayer life. Uh, there's always more. God is infinitely deep, and there's always more that we can press into with Him. You know, I remember uh, a, a fairly embarrassing sort of situation in my own life many years ago. The church I was at at the time was kind of in a season of prayer, right? They were teaching about prayer and different things, and so uh, I thought, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm pumped, I'm geared up, I'm gonna do this thing, you know. And so uh, I was on staff at the time. I worked at the church, and we had long hallways, huge long hallways of classrooms for kids. It was a, it was a big church, a big building. And so I thought, I'm going to go down in the farthest reaches into the last room at the end, and I'm going to pray. And I'm just going to pray, and I'm not going to come out until I'm done. And... You know, I I thought this is I was fired up. I was really like, okay, I've been listening to, uh, actually, I had been listening to, uh, oh, Leonard Ravenhill. Anybody know who Leonard Ravenhill is or was? God rest his soul. Uh, but Leonard was preaching to us about prayer, and he was fiery. You know, he was very fiery, and I just was. So I went down the same room, and I turned the lights off, and I went in there, and I, I okay, I'm praying, and I prayed. For everything I could think of, and then I waited, and then I prayed some more, you know, and then I was done, and I came out, and I'd been in there for seven minutes, <laughs> and I thought, I'm not going to tell anybody about that, because 
But so I had some things to learn. And, you know, for me, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of ways we can learn to pray. Uh, one way, really, obviously, the, probably the, the best way, the number one way is just to pray. If you want, you know, you want to learn how to pray, just pray. That's, that's, I think, really the best. But for me, there's a couple things that have been really helpful. One is listening to other people pray, especially people that you, you, you think you have some level of respect for them and their, their, their walk with the Lord and their spirituality, is listening to them pray. And so that, and clearly that requires time together, either, either as prayer partners or in a prayer meeting or a prayer gathering of some sort. You get together with people. And, and right now, I don't, we don't have a corporate prayer meeting in our church, which we need to have one. We, we, we really do. We have had several over the years at different times. But, uh, so we have to see what we can do this year to come up with one. But getting together with people and just praying and, and listening, that's a great way to learn how to pray. And I've learned a lot just listening to others pray. And another w- thing that's been very helpful to me in developing um, not only vocabulary for prayer, what you know, how to pray, but kind of gaining understanding into the heart of God. What are the sorts of things that God would, would want me to pray for, Does, if that makes sense? But the way I've done that is there's a lot of prayers in the Bible that are recorded for us. And reading those prayers is really, really helpful. And uh, reading them and then praying them, actually praying them, and maybe not word for word, but maybe taking some time to study them a little bit and, and kind of analyze what is this person praying about? What are they praying for? What's inspiring them? What are they saying? And, and looking at those things. So that's what I, I want to do tonight. Um, and again, I, I think I'm going to be, we'll be fairly brief tonight, maybe take some time for, for ministry before we close. But, uh, you know, the, there's a number of prayers in the Old Testament that are, that are really good. And then in the New Testament we have in, in uh, you know, obviously in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew, we have what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is really Jesus' instruction to his disciples on prayer. And then in John 17, we have what I like to call the Lord's Prayer, which is, you know, prayer of, of Jesus for unity and for the body of Christ and for us. That's a great prayer to read and study. And then through the epistles, there are a number of what we call apostolic prayers, prayers that different ones of the apostles prayed, m- mostly Paul. There's, there's a few others, but primarily Paul. And so I want to look at one of those tonight. Two, two of my favorites are in the book of Ephesians. I, Ephesians is probably, I don't know, I, it, it might be my favorite book. I don't know, maybe. I like it a lot. Sometimes it's my favorite. Um, but there are two great prayers in there, one in chapter 1 and then one in chapter 3. And I want to look at the one in chapter 3, the second one tonight, which is uh, the other one, the one in chapter 1, it typically is my favorite one, and that's the one I like to pray and think about the most. But... Tonight, uh, I titled the message, Prayer of Love, because in chapter 3, Paul has a prayer of love. And interestingly enough, uh, the word that came earlier at the end of worship about God loving somebody who fell in love, very much is in sync with what I want to share from this prayer tonight. Um, So I thought that was encouraging to me. Thank you very much. it's, it's a prayer where Paul, he prays for the Ephesian church, and, and I think, you know, really for all believers then, um, it's, it's a prayer of love. He prays that they would 
know love, that they would have love, that they would receive love, and that they would then become more loving. And it, it really is a, 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 a precious prayer, a precious thing to, to consider. So let's do this. Let's pray. And then we'll look at Ephesians 3 uh, and, and Paul's prayer there. So Lord, open our hearts tonight uh, to receive from you and to be transformed by your word and by your presence and by your spirit uh, in such a way that we would not only receive what you have for us, but then we would become what you hope in your heart for us to become in you, that we will be changed and transformed. Allow your word, Lord, to uh, just seep into our lives, into our spirits, our souls, our hearts, and become very real to us. In your name, amen. All right, Ephesians 3, and I'm going to start at verse 14 uh, through 19. This is just a prayer that Paul prays there. And he says, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may, may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Um, so, you know, the love of God is one of those themes, obviously, it's huge in the Bible. It's, it's recurrent. It's, 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 a, it's a, a predominant theme all the way through the Bible, you know, that God loves us. He loves me. He loves you. He loves the world. God so loved the world. He gave his son. In 1 John, John tells us the love of God is, is so uh, so prominent, so big, that in fact, God is love. He says God is love. So, question. What is your image of God? When, when you think of God, the first, you know, what comes to mind? What is your image of God? Is it love? And here's why I ask. Because our, our lives are shaped and formed by a variety of things. One of the things that shape our lives are our own histories. And, and what I found, you know, is I've had the chance now over the years to interact with a lot of people is very often that our, our own personal histories and, and the way that we've been formed will affect, it will be projected into and onto our relationship with God. And, and so sometimes if someone, if you haven't been loved appropriately, loved adequately, if you haven't been loved enough, if you haven't received love from other people, you begin to project that on a God and, and you think other things and you have an image of God that's other than God is love. Another thing that sometimes colors our image of God is 
maybe we've been taught, and maybe sometimes, and I realize this, it's not even an overt teaching, but sometimes just through the course of events in, in church life, we pick up this notion that God is sort of a, a little bit like a cosmic Santa Claus. And by that I mean this, that if I've been good, and if I've behaved myself, and if I've done the right things, then God will love me. But if I've been naughty, if I've been bad, I've misbehaved and not done the right things, then God's attitude towards me might be something less than loving. It could be that God's upset, angry with me, that he's leaving me outside somehow, that he's, you know, judgmental towards me. And sometimes those thoughts, and here's, we're spiritual beings, and so some of this stuff really resides in our heart more than in our head, and we may not even be conscious of it. We might not be thinking those things again overtly but in our heart we kind of carry that so I want to say this to you guys here's the thing there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more than he does right now and conversely there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less than he does right now God loves you right now this moment, right here, today, regardless of anything and everything, God loves you as much as He has ever loved you and as much as He ever will love you. His love towards you re- really, really, really is unconditional. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's unfettered, unmitigated. It's, it's clean and clear. It's unquestionable. It's undeniable. It's absolute. He loves you. You're the apple of His eye. He loves you as much as He ever will. You can't be better, do more, be a better person. You can't sin less. There's nothing you can do to cause God to love you anymore. His love for you is not based on anything that you do, how you behave, any of that. His love for you is based on the fact that he's created you as his child and he loves you, period. That's it. That's all there is. And God loves you. My intention, I wanted—I was just going to pray that over you guys, but I felt like the word that came, we, we really, I mean, I felt like that was it, that God was saying, was confirming that. that I, I just love where you are, who you are, how you are. Don't worry about it. Um, so let, let, back to the text. The book of Ephesians really is the whole book, and this is, I guess, probably why, why I like it so much, it's really about the transformational love of God, or we could say the healing love of God, if you like that word better, either one. God's transformational love towards us is the theme of the book of Ephesians. And in the first half of the book, chapters 1 through 3, Paul talks about how God's love is expressed to us through the life and death of Jesus, and and that the sacrifice that Jesus made transforms our life it changes us and then the second half of the book chapters four through six talk more about as the love of christ transforms us then we how we become more like him and we then are able to express his love out of our lives into the lives of others and so this prayer that we just read it comes you know at the end of chapter three 
And, and the prayer really is the pivot point. It's kind of the hinge in the book of Ephesians where, where it, there's a transition. God loves you. He sent Jesus to sacrifice for you. That changes everything. And so now, as you're changed in Him, you become more like Him and you become more loving. And this prayer that Paul prays really is, is that, that, that pivot, that hinge. It's, 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 that's what He's um, uh, moving us towards. And He begins the prayer. We'll go back. And I just want to break it down, kind of, you know, I, Paul, let's be honest. I mean, he's so wordy. I mean, he just, he just goes on. These sentences go on for days. It's like, what the are you thinking about but but he has a lot to say so it's worth taking some time and breaking it down and he starts for this reason and the reason of course is everything that he just said right so the first three chapters are this really here's the here's the crux of the issue he's writing to the gentiles which would include us the gentile church and and the gentiles have been adopted or grafted into the community of God's people. Prior to the advent of Christ, the, the, the Jews were God's chosen people. The Gentiles have been, been grafted into that community of God's people. Now, here, some of, the, some of the Jewish brethren were telling the Gentiles, hey, well, in order to really be, you know, to do this right, you have to adopt these certain customs. You have to do things the way that, that we have always done them. And not that anybody in the world today would ever do anything like that. <coughs> but they did. And Paul comes back and says, look, and this is the point of the prayer. This is the, 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 the for this reason is this reason. Don't worry about that. None of that matters. Yeah, some of those things are good. Some of them you don't need to worry about. You know, some of it will happen over time. Um, here, here's what matters. Here's what matters. This, this, this is what matters. That you get a revelation of God's love. That's what matters. When, when you get a revelation of God's love for you, that changes everything. All that other stuff, it'll work itself out. You've got a lifetime to figure that out, to decide whether to eat meat or not eat meat, how to take communion, etc., etc., etc. What you need to know today is this. God loves you. And you need to know that in the core of your very being. That's what God is saying. So he says, for this reason, that reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Again, he's writing to uh, one com two communities that have made one community. So that's his purpose right there is to say that, hey, you know, whether anybody recognized it or not, you guys were already among God's people. To me, we don't have that issue in front of us so much today, you know, but I just think that's powerful for us to remember that every family on heaven and earth derives its name from him because we live in such a polarized world. You know, here... There, there are so many dividing lines. And, and, and you read stories. You read stories, you know, somebody pushes somebody off the subway tracks in front of the train and kills them because they thought they were a Muslim. You know, uh, we divide 
who's going to get the better end of the economic deal? You know, we, we divide. We divide by race, religion, ethnicity, gender, financial status, politics. There's all sorts of dividing lines. And I think what Paul says here is, you know what? That stuff will sort itself out too. But it doesn't matter where you fall. It doesn't matter if you're on the left or the right. It, it, you know, you all are created by me as my people. Every family under in heaven and earth derives this name from who I am. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I want to remember that today. No, there's no separation. There's no in and no out. God has created all people and loves all people and extends who he is to all people. And he prays that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you. Um, we've all had this experience. Something happens, okay? Whatever. It can be whatever. Um, maybe someone gets ill, a family friend, a child, a neighbor, um, uh, you know, and they have to go to another part of the country for treatment or whatever, and there's medical bills. And you want to help. And so I know people who have started foundations and started funds to, to raise money for that. You've all probably participated in that. Maybe a hurricane or an earthquake, there's some disaster, whatever. Something happens, and here's the point. You want to help. You really, you, you'd love to be able to help. Uh, you go, oh, my gosh, you know, there's thousands of people have been left stranded and homeless by this hurricane, and I really want to help, but I've got 10 bucks. I'll send my 10 bucks, but I don't think that's going to make that big of a difference. And you're a little bit limited in your resource. So what God's saying, or what Paul's saying here is, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. God's resource isn't limited. So when he says, I want to help, he has the resource to help. That feeling of, I don't have enough to give, is never in the heart of God. God says, I have, his glorious riches are unlimited. He has an unlimited amount of power and strength in him to strengthen you. I have no lack of ability to give to you all that you might need to become the people that I've called you and ordained you to be. And he says that he'll strengthen us with power through his spirit in our inner being. Um, so, what does that mean? Here, I, I, I don't know how to describe, frankly, what our inner being really is, what he means by that. But I thought maybe one way to, to begin to understand what that means is by looking at what it's not. And I tell you, this is what... To, to mean that we'll be strengthened with power through His Spirit in our inner being is not information. It, it's, not, it, it's not head knowledge. It's not something that you come to know. Uh, it, it's not something that you can read about and study and learn. It's something that happens by the Spirit of God, as He pours His Spirit into our lives and it changes us. That's what it means in our inner being. It's, it's, we, you can't gain that by learning about it. You gain it by receiving it. And it's, op it's available. It's, it's for all of us. It's, you know, 
again, no, the, the smart guys don't just get it. You don't figure it out. God poured, and you've had that experience. Some of us have had that experience where maybe in a moment, maybe over time, maybe whatever, God's spirit begins to strengthen us. And you're in a place of, of weariness or weakness or, or, or whatever, fear, and God's spirit begins to be poured into you and it changes you. It, it, it transforms you and it's, it's inside you. You can't describe it. It's hard to get a hold of. But that's what he's talking about here. And he, and he prays that that will happen so that Christ may then dwell in our hearts through faith. Um, the notion is that Christ will make his dwelling place his home. There's an old hymn, I think, my heart Christ's home is that right old time liturgical people um, he'll make his home in our heart he'll, he'll set up shop there he's going to move in he's going to live there it's not he doesn't visit us it's not part time it's not once in a while he moves into our hearts and this really here here this is the this is the pivot point of the prayer the prayer itself is the pivot point of the book this phrase that he will dwell in our hearts through faith. This is the pivot point of the prayer because this is where Paul begins to say, okay, the love of God is being poured out into you in such a way that now it's going to be poured out through you into the hearts and lives of others. We become more loving because God is love. We don't become, look, we don't become more loving by trying to be more loving. That won't work. Some of you have tried that. You know that. You, you try harder. What happens? You screw up, right? That's what we do. We're just people. You become more loving by receiving God's love. That's how you become more loving. You receive it, and all of a sudden, you don't try harder to be more loving. You just are. It's just, it's, it's, it becomes who you are because it's in you then. We love because he first loved us. So he, he loves us, and we become more loving. That's what Paul's saying. And he prays, further that will be rooted and established in love. So, and this is a, an illustration. It's a metaphor. We don't, quote, have roots, do we? No. But we'll be rooted, our foundation, the thing that goes into the ground that holds us up, will be in the love of God. And again, sometimes our roots are in other things. Sometimes our roots are in what people maybe think about us. Our roots are in something someone has said about us. Our roots are in uh, some, so, some negative input, something hurtful that's happened in our life, and that sort of becomes where we're rooted. And, and God says, no, I'm going to pour my love into you and transform you in such a way that your roots actually come down into my love, and, and that's what you become. Th that's your foundation. That's what grows up out of you as our roots become in Christ's love. And I, I, I love this part. He says that, You'll, that'll happen. You may have power then together with all the Lord's people. Uh, here, let me say this. The love of God is, uh, is big, right? And it's very diverse. And the ways that we come to know the love of God are, are many. And, and so we can't know fully the depth and, and what he's about to pray in a, mo in a moment, you know, the height and width and depth and length of God's love by ourselves. We can only know that 
in connection with one another. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't experience God's love alone. You can. We all have done that, right? You're, you, whatever, you're praying, you're in your prayer closet. I don't know, you're driving around your car, you're listening to worship music. Something happens, you feel God's presence, and all of a sudden you feel his love, and you know it in that moment in a, in a real way. Sure, that can happen. That happens all the time. That's good. But there are dimensions of God's love. There, there, are, there are whole realms of God's love that we'll never know on our own, that we can only know as we're in connection with one another. And you guys know that too. You've experienced that. You've, you've seen that. Those times when there's just something happens and God's love is... And let me say this. That's not done. I think our whole lives are filled with those encounters, those experiences where God's love takes on all kinds of new dimensions and new forms and new ways and shapes in our life as we interact with one another, as we grow together in Him. And that's why it's, it's so important to be connected, to be in community, to be in church, to not try to walk this thing out on your own. That's why that whole, you know, personal relationship thing is just ridiculous. Um, it's just, we, it, it, God, did, God called us to be in relationship together with Him, together with Him. And, and that's, that's where that happens. And so then, that'll happen so that we are able to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. When we think about, or I do, probably you do too, when we think about grasping something, you, I, I think about um, an intellectual uh, ascent, once again. Uh, I think about a concept that you have to wrestle with. Like, for me, I, I hate math. I'm just not good at math. I don't do it. So mathematics, there's some mathematical equation or something, and if I think about it and I work on it long enough, eventually I'll grasp it, right? That's how I have historically interpreted this verse. If I contemplate and I think about it enough, and maybe I try to figure it out, I'll be able to grasp the love of God. I want to... I want to submit to you a, a, a different way of thinking about that, about what it means to grasp God's love. And to do so, I will tell you a story. So a couple weeks ago, uh, we went to Peacock Lane to look at Christmas lights. So Donna and I went with Justin and Aaron and Caspian. Caspian loves Christmas lights. He loves Christmas lights. He gets very, very excited when he sees Christmas lights. So we we're going to go. So it's... Uh, cold out, it's raining. Uh, <laughs> we, we left early in the evening, so traffic was horrid. So it took us an hour to get from Tiger to South Portland. Uh, you know, and two and a half year old is impatient. But we finally got there. We got to, we got to Peacock Lane, and, and we're going to go look at the lights. So uh, Justin's driving, I get out of the car, and uh, he parks, and I open the back door, and I get Caspian out of his seat, and we take off. <laughs> I, I put him down, and he reaches up, and he grasps my hand, and, and everybody else is still getting out of the car and putting their coats on. And we're walking. We're, de- we're gone. We're down the road, and he's pointing and looking at lights and telling me. And, you know, right then, I got a hold of his hand, and he's got a hold of my hand, and frankly, uh, nothing else really mattered. You know? That's and so... I thought of that when I read the text. And I thought, what if what Paul means here is not so much that we try and try and try to figure out how wide and long and deep and high God's love is, but what if it's more like 
we reach down or reach up, whatever, and we take hold of his hand and we grasp it. And that then begins to reveal to us what God's love is like. And, and that's just for me, that was really helpful. I submit that to you guys. It's not so much trying to figure it out and wrestling with this, it is just taking hold of it, grasping it, taking hold of it, taking hold of God's love and allowing it to become tangible and real to you, okay? Look, at the end of the day, it's got to mean that. It's not, you can't figure it out, all right, because he says that. He, he says, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, uh, that's weird. You can't know something that surpasses knowledge. You can grasp it. You can, you can, get, you can, un, you can understand it in your heart, but it, it, we can't, you can't understand it by figuring it out. You can study it and ponder it all day long, but until it becomes real to you, it, it's never going to make that much sense. Um, there's two places in Scripture that Paul makes statements like this here. And then in Philippians 4, he talks about the peace that passes understanding. There's love that goes beyond understanding and peace that goes beyond understanding. And again, those are not things that we can figure out. Those are things that we experience. And this whole prayer is a prayer of Paul for the people of God to know that love of God in that way. And he concludes it by saying this, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When that happens... And you, you know that love in that way. You're not lacking anything. You're not missing anything. And the only way you'll ever have the measure of all the fullness of God is as he makes it known to us. And so here's... I'll, I'll close with this. And, th and this is what I, you know, really felt like. New Year... Start, start here. When, when things are challenging, when, when stuff in our life is hard, when you can't figure things out, when whatever, you know, whatever it is, health, finances, relationships, all the stuff, we pray, right? We pray for God to be with us. We pray for those circumstances. We pray for this situation. We pray for healing. We pray for money. We pray for whatever. That's all good. Pray for that. But, but, what, what if you add to that a, a prayer for a fresh revelation of God's love? What if in the hardest circumstances of life, the worst day, whatever, you just said, Lord, I need a fresh revelation of your love today? Because with that then, you have all you need. And I really believe that whether the circumstances change or not, it'll be okay if we can gain that fresh revelation of God's love. Okay, let's stand. Cindy. I'm going to just gonna stand up, people. Gosh, so slow, sleepy, or whatever. I want to just pray for you guys. Um, and we'll go from there. Lord, um, I would ask tonight that your Holy Spirit would come and rest upon us, that you would give uh, each of us a fresh revelation of your love. Pray, Lord, that um, you would speak into our heart of hearts.
that tonight we could reach up and take hold of your hand and grasp how wide and how long and how deep and how high you love Jesus. I pray for those that are sick. I pray for those that are lonely. I pray for those that are financially in anxiety or concern. Whatever the circumstances of our life, that we would have that revelation of your love, and that would surpass all those things. And I pray that in this new year that we would be able to walk in that. To live our lives in such a way that uh, your love would be the guiding force, the guiding light, the direction that we take. 